Oh, I spilled Psycho all over my Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now it's ruined. Unless... Steph? Yeah? Let's go watch Motel Hell. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Good Times Great Movies. We are an 80s movie podcast where every two weeks we watch a movie from the 80s and then we talk about that movie. My name is Doug McCambridge. I'm one of your two hosts and joining me is Miss Stephanie Crawford. Steph, how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> Wait, no, no. <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, I think I've apologized to our listeners right out of the gate, but I don't think you have anything to apologize Should for. Should we just do like a pep talk episode? <laughs> I feel like we're just talking each other up to, just so we can do this for some reason. It's like, you're going to make it, man. It's okay. Oh, man. All right. Uh, yeah, Jamie is not here uh, for this episode. Um, she took some time off to deal with some family matters. And also, we had announced the movie we were going to do, which is Motel Hell. And you were more than happy to talk about it, which made me very happy because I had never seen this before. Oh, really? So is that why you guys chose it? Yeah, we were trying to. We reached out to listeners uh, to just throw as many horror movies at us as possible. So I compiled a mm. list and I took everything off of that list Aww. that I had seen. And I'm oh, pretty great. sure that everything else Jamie had not seen because she doesn't watch this stuff at oh, all. Oh, I can't let her um, down. And I don't know how this escaped me. I remember my parents talked about this movie quite fondly. Uh, my mom in particular was very excited that we would be talking about this movie. Did you, like, when did you first see this no okay so i saw it and i think i half watched it and it was so mm -hmm. unmemorable that when i saw the blu-ray i was like i've never seen this before and then i put it on i was like i have seen this before i watched i'm like i love this movie why did i completely forget it oh, okay um so you actually sat through it and you were like yeah. i don't I'm, i don't remember this at all it must not have had any sort of impact the first time you saw it? Right, and especially with Motel Hell, even if you ultimately don't like it, it is pretty memorable. <laughs> it has a very distinctive personality, but uh, maybe I just suffered like a head injury, okay. and I was like, no, no, I don't need to go to the hospital. I really want to watch this. And it was a bad call on my part. You know what? Maybe it wasn't a bad call because you didn't go to the hospital. Clearly, you recovered from that head injury. And if the only side effect was you didn't remember the movie you watched, I think you're yeah, I think you're okay. I like your optimism. Let's go with that. All right. So anyway, so, so the movie is Motel Hell from 1980, uh, directed by Kevin Connor. And I don't know. Let's just. Do you want to just get into it? Should we just get into it? Is there any? Is there anything that we need to discuss before we start to dive into what this movie is about and and actually what happens in it? Heck no. Let's just go in and check in to <laughs> Motel Hell. Right. I just turned the camera okay. too, but there's no camera too. 
So I probably shouldn't have just announced how awkward what I just did. I like the fact that you've, I guess, you live your life as though you were on a two-camera sitcom, or is it more than two? You're an only child. You kind of develop some habits. (laughs) Please cut me out of this episode. Okay, so this movie, basically the the overall plot is it's about uh, uh, a guy named Farmer Vincent. And I had so many questions about the relationships of these characters because maybe at the beginning it was just glossed over. I didn't know that Ida was his sister for a while. Was I supposed to know that? So did what did you think that she just worked at the motel or I thought she was his daughter. Oh, well, no, the age difference that's not unusual. Okay, no, and I just did and also the thing with the cop, like I didn't know I mean, he was spending a lot of time with them and he was, you know, picnicking with them and stuff. And maybe I'm just an idiot. Like, I didn't, I just seemed to think that he was just a good friend. Like, I didn't even know he was related because the fact that he has nothing to do with this is baffling if he's related to these people. Right. So these people are cannibals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're useful cannibals. They have like a thriving industry. But their brother is the sheriff, he's an idiot. And he's very problematic on his own, but not in a cannibal way, in a completely different way. And yeah, it's kind of like in some of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels where like they have the quote unquote normal Mm -hmm. or attractive one. Um, But they tend to be cannibals, too. They just know how to clean up. Right. It's Uh, that whole. Sheriff Bruce is just an idiot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it is that whole thing where I feel like I must have just seen too many of these you know, like Texas Chainsaw movies where I'm like, well, of course everybody's in on this. And one by one, even if you think somebody's nice and normal and helpful and maybe a little bit rapey, yes, they're also a cannibal. Right. So it just really it threw just me follows. when we found out that he wasn't. Yeah. And you're right. They they don't really take the time to establish that kind of relationship. Not that they need him to, like, put his arm around and say, hey, my brother we share parents or anything like that, but it is no. But again, the age, the age mm-hmm. difference is so crazy. I mean, just the fact that you have Rory Calhoun, who at this point, I mean, I think he looked a lot older than he was. Yeah, he looked um, great. I but, saw. Him. You know, he has like ice white yeah. hair. And... Yeah, he was in. Um, oh, what did I see him in? Night of the Lepus. Ah, oh, the bunnies. Which was probably. I mean, that was I think mid seventies, but it wasn't five, six, seven years before, and he looked a lot younger then. So I don't know if they made him up older or if the past few years were not too kind to him, but I just didn't, I could not see these people as siblings of his. But anyway, why am I concentrating on this? They're literally eating people. That's what we should be talking about. No, family trees are very important in cannibal movies. Thanks, Texas Chainsaw. (laughs) Like, this is things <laughs> we have to obsess about this now. We have to. Yes, we have to. So so they're, okay, so they are cannibals, as you said. And so what they. Spoiler alert. Well, yeah, yeah spoiler alert. If you have not watched the movie and you're listening to this because you just stumbled into this podcast. because well, Maybe they're mildly curious and they really like Doug. So like, all right, I can finally figure out what happens in this movie. You're you're talking about people that are just 
personal friends of mine that have no idea what my podcasts are about. And this is the first one they found because they typed in my name and Motel Hell. Listen, I'm not the algorithm, man. I'm just just going blindly through this like everyone else. Okay, so and, and these people are not just they don't just murder people and then turn them into I don't even want to say process me because he's very proud of the fact that he does not uh, use artificial flavors or preservatives mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Human health food, really. They also own a motel. I mean, he is in diversifying their portfolio. Like, and they're pretty smart. They're, I mean, they're entrepreneurs, I guess. I mean, they have multiple businesses. Yeah, it, it's a small motel, you know, something you see when you're road tripping and. The big draw um, is there, well, there's the fritters, but uh, what I focused on was like the meat sticks, basically this like Slim Jim kind of things, <laughs> but made out of actual Slim Jim, am I right? <laughs> it takes all kinds of critters to make Farmer Vincent's fritters is such a great tagline. It really is. It, it really is. Although I my favorite tagline is house two the second story i think that's just so amazing and fantastic and easy (laughs) i love it but this is really great it's on the poster and everything and they say it and i do have to say so there there are two we kind of said there's farmer vincent and there's his sister his younger sister ida and they are the cannibals so they own this motel and they murder people and cook them up and we'll talk about them you know how they even get to that point but he is just having a ball he doesn't think anything he's doing is wrong he doesn't seem malicious no he is apple pie norman rockwell all the way exactly he's maybe the most delightful and charming and upbeat cannibal oh he is just grinning ear to ear when they're out in that Field, that secret garden, as they call it, which I love the fact that they refer to it as a secret garden. I mean, he's just he's having so much fun. And I did have a lot of questions about why they do the things they do. And I'm not saying that I brought you on as some sort of cannibal expert, but I'm hoping when we get there, you might be able to answer some questions. Wow. OK. So so very early on in this, Farmer Vincent, we see that he goes out night hunting but what he appears to be doing is setting traps on a very very deserted road like there's i mean it's basically a dirt road but there must be a decent amount of traffic because he puts out like road spikes and what looked like bear traps and all sorts of stuff that the cars or vehicles can run over allowing him to ensnare people in his Traps. Oh, my favorite is the fake cows. Oh, my God. That was <laughs> like, crazy. Oh, man, cows are in the way. And then they do a close up. It's like a goofy cartoon cut out of a cow. <laughs> those two ladies, when they stop and the one goes, oh, look at those cows. And I look at them and they just have like giant googly eyes basically <laughs> pasted onto wooden cows. I'm like, well, those are real girls. Like You clearly can see that. Well, to be fair, they weren't playing them like two idiots in like a bad slasher movie because you know when you're driving you would assume they're real at first and then her friend is like i don't think those are real and she's like come on (laughs) is this a joke Come on, is this a joke? And but you have to stop anyway because he blocks the road with them. Right. Oh, no, no. You have to move them. I, 
Although they did run them down, he was just hiding right behind them. It would be crisis averted, you two are heroes. And part of me, because I had never seen this before, um, I really thought that those two, strangely enough, I thought they were going to be the heroes of our movie. Yeah, they had final girl written all over them. Oh, they introduced them so late. We got backstory. I was like, oh, they're ski instructors? They have a gun? This is going to work out so great for everyone Yeah, involved. young, attractive, in shape, smart. Good banter, all the markings. And then... No. So, but before we get to them, so Farmer Vincent, someone on a motorcycle, and an old man on a motorcycle, this this age, this woman, this girl, how she's into older men is crazy. Don't kink shame her. I, oh, I'm not. <laughs> I am not. But it's just, I was like, what a weird thing to write into your movie to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's into guys that are 25 to 35 years older than her. And that, uh, that's her character because she's not really fleshed out beyond that. You know. But did you notice when when uh, Vincent, quote unquote, buries that guy, he puts a little headstone for him. He puts a little wooden cross in there. And did you see the birth date he gives this guy? 1923. This girl's what, 22? Maybe. I mean, that's 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 a little high, I think. No, it's creepy. I, right. just, I don't know. I just feel a natural inclination to disagree with you. That's all. You, you know what? You can disagree with me all you want. <laughs> I need someone to disagree with me. <laughs> Even if I agree with you, I have to disagree with you. So <laughs> this guy on his motorcycle, he, he runs off the road. He crashes. He's knocked out. And uh, this woman who's with him, who we find out is Terry, she becomes our main character. I don't even know if I want to call her that. But they are then taken in by Vincent. He scoops them up, brings them back, and he's pretty excited about what he's found. He takes her inside. He takes her into the motel. And Ida's not too happy about this, but he puts her in Granny's room. And we never see, or not never see, but right now we just don't see what happens to uh, the guy who was riding that motorcycle. Yeah, normally I think it'd just be a smash and grab double meat right. thing. I don't, There's probably like a professional butcher term for it. I don't know the what smash it is. And grab double um, meat. But it, it kind of reminds me of a line in Kill Bill uh -huh. when he, he takes off her, her helmet and he looks at her. And you see his face soften when he sees that she's a pretty blonde, basically. And I was like, yellow hair like an angel. I mean, we do see that he is really, I mean, he's mainly targeting, you know, younger people. So I, I can't imagine she's the first attractive young woman that he's, you know, that he's sort of fallen for. But but I understand it, too, from the standpoint of, I don't know, if you if you're picking up a bunch of John Ratzenbergers and hippies or whatever those guys are, okay. uh, maybe, you know, maybe she she did something for him. But we do find, like, I don't know. I don't even want to get too far into the relationship because it, it really blossoms and develops in such a wonderful way. So the next day or whatever, there is the there's a family with the shittiest little twin girls. Oh man, these kids. I was really, I'm not hoping that they died. That sounds terrible, but I kind of super love what happened. Okay. Well, as long as you're not actively hoping for child death and I don't, I don't think you need to feel poor. No, no. Should we have accents? What would the accent be? Should we be doing this whole podcast with accents? Should we start over? French? 
you know, like offensive backward woods, the actually exist accent. Are they in the South? Where are they? No, but they're wearing overalls, sir. And this is what I think of. I think of people in overalls, okay? I apologize. You know what? It's all right. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that accent. And I'm sure it's going to slip out as we uh, move on through this, but... I feel the same way. Yeah, I could see a little bit of that. Yeah, a little bit of the touristy southwestern accoutrements. There appears to be a family. There's there's a there's a woman and I guess her husband there. And Farmer Vincent's really selling them up on this meat. There's like a whole box of assorted meats that you get for $3, which I even think in 1980 is a pretty good deal. Are they there at the motel or did they just stop by for to get meat. I didn't talk to them personally, but it does seem like Motel Hello is also set up for like a little stopover for tours. Because when you see the check-in, um, they have like postcards and things like that. So like I said, savvy business people. So these two are talking to Farmer Vincent and they're two crappy little kids. They're kind of dressed like the twins in The Shining a little bit, but instead of blue, they're in pink. Yes. So they stumble into the smokehouse where all, you know, where the magic happens, I guess. They are then terrified when they see a human being oh, yeah. wearing a pig's mask. <laughs> no, not a pig's mask. Sorry, a pig's head. It's actually just a pig's head, like a hollowed out pig's head. It's super disgusting and also amazing. These girls are so scared. They run out and they can't stop screaming. They hop in the car, roll up the window. They're still, they're just in this car screaming. And I loved what Farmer Vincent did. I just love how he said he'll t he'll calm them down. And the way he calmed them down is by scaring them even more. Just, what did he do? He looked at them in the car and just went, Roar! to these two little girls who were already scared. And it kind of worked, which is weird. They stopped crying. Well, yeah, they're probably uh, confused. Just why is this adult man screaming at us after we just saw the most horrific thing we'll ever see and we'll have to cope with for the rest of our <laughs> so, lives? At that point, they just accepted it all you know what like it's one of those things where they this was a time period where it was kind of rough for child characters i think they usually were evil like 90 percent of the time mm -hmm. in like the 70s and early 80s sure. um, and maybe this you know if this if this film is supposedly a satire maybe it also goes after those kids movies and says listen just traumatize your kids a little bit and there won't be a little brats on your road trip. It's not a bad message to, to, to send to parents. I think it's a terrible <laughs> message, Doug. I'm just trying to understand. Anyway, we don't see any more kids. They're out of the movie. They're gone forever. So this cop shows up, and it, it's pretty clear that he, as we said before, he's friendly with Vincent. Uh, Ida sneaks up behind him and, like, tackles him and growls and everything like that. And in the meantime, the girl, this girl, Terry, she wakes up, asks where this guy was that she was on a motorcycle with. And Vincent's response is, mm, I'm sorry, I buried him. I, I don't think you can do that. And she seems slightly put out by this or put off by this for just just a minute. Not very long at all, because even the cop is like, oh, hey, uh, you probably shouldn't have 
buried him. Like, I don't know. But you know what? In this jurisdiction, I guess there's no law against doing something like that. Yeah, that's, you know, farm folk stuff. And Terry does scream something like, who does that? Like, you can't just do that. Um, But yeah, I guess she's still traumatized enough that she quiets down pretty quickly. But yeah, she does. uh, The film does establish pretty quickly that uh, you're not playing by city laws around here. Do you have do you have thoughts and opinions on these types of movies, these types of, you know, I don't I don't want to get too into the. hellbilly horror sort of label that is put on these with Rob Zombie and everything. But do you have a, do you have a general thought or a general feeling about these? I mean, these Southern cannibal, I mean, these were big in the late seventies. Do you like these types of movies or, I mean, as just a general, Um, as a sub genre in general, I tend to like them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's mostly because Mm -hmm. I'm a huge slasher fan and a lot of them, are slashers. Mm -hmm. And um, I also have a weird thing for regional filmmaking. And a lot of these are very regional. They're filmed in like smaller towns and you really get a sense of their place. So I think it's not like a favorite subgenre of mine, um, but I, I seem to be attracted to at least thinking they're interesting. So they all go to this cemetery. They have a cemetery on their property where later they have a nice little adorable picnic. And we do see, we do see that there's a headstone that he did bury this guy. Like I said, he scrawled in his birth date and death date. And, and I guess this is all meant to sort of put Terry more at ease. It is funny because Terry never gives us any idea of what their relationship was. She never says anything like, maybe I should call somebody, like call his family. We, we never get an idea of where she's from or where any of this, where they came from, where they were going. And I find that so wonderful in a movie like this, just because I don't care. Like, don't, you don't need to put this in reality. I don't need all that backstory. I think it makes it way more fun, especially if you're sort of doing a satire. I guess I would call this a satire. I think this is a movie that wants to do both. I think it wants to be violent and it wants to be a little scary, but it also totally goes out of its way to make jokes that sometimes don't land. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I when you read about it, satire comes up a lot. And so actually when I just rewatched it again uh, for this, I really had that in mind because I think the first time I saw it, I thought it was just going to be a straight laced um, like ripoff movie. And then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, OK, it, they're saying it's satirical. I'm going to I'm going to catch everything. And I don't I kind of feel like it's made with a real affection for those kinds of movies, but they also want to be funny about it and make it more lighthearted. I didn't really pick up any biting satire. No, no, not at I mean, I guess in the most general sense, he wears a mask and has a chainsaw at one point. I mean, if that's, but that may kind of be it. Yeah. Even, um, as like a comment on the genre, it's, it's really just having fun with it, but yes. there's I, I don't feel like there's like a big hidden message or anything. <laughs> no, no, no. So a 
a guy who I thought was a health inspector showed up. Yeah, I. Uh, he's like uh, the meat guy. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a pig inspector though. I'm here to check your meat. But it's not even checking the meat because he comes back and he talks about the hooves of the pigs later. He's like, you know what? Uh, their hooves aren't great, but it's it's nothing that's uh, you know going to land you in hot water. Well, you know, it, it makes sense that if especially there's like a small operation uh, using animals for their meat. Psh, wink, these guys. Uh, but you know, you'd have a guy who would make sure the animals aren't being abused or like loaded up with weird steroids or like they're putting diseased meat into supermarkets. So I think he, he's just like the making sure. Uh, yeah. I just thought he was there to inspect. Like I was like, Oh, he'll take a look at where he's butchering and everything and make sure it's not super gross in there. But no, <laughs> it, it seems he just looks at the pigs and he's like, well, I don't man, know. They're not all dead. Okay. You're fine. <laughs> There's also a, televangelist that's pretty much on tv 24 7 um <laughs> a televangelist there are two different ones because i was very excited when i saw the credits roll for this i was like wolfman jacks in this movie that's crazy i can't believe it and then for the longest time i just heard him on the radio and i went wait is he just on the radio in this? i mean it makes sense <laughs> <laughs> It does make sense to hire someone to do what they do for a living in a movie. I get it. But I was then super excited once we actually saw him on TV and then saw him in real life. I was over the moon to see Wolfman Jack and I don't know why. Oh, God. What? You don't have like a Wolfman Jack tattoo? No, I don't. No, I've been sketching one out. It's just I'm not crazy about the way it looks. Yeah. you And you have to find the right person. That takes a while. Well, I did. His name's Wolfman Jack. (laughs) 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 Yay. Um, But he's mildly antagonistic with the meat guy. I think that's important to mention. They kind of, they're polite enough to each other. It's like, hey, how you doing? And then when they turn their back, you like warily eye them. Right. It's like that kind of No, it is, yeah, it is that sort of relationship where you're like, okay, he seems to not want this guy to be here, but he's very cordial with them early on. But you can also tell that the, the pig inspector's a little wary of what's going on. He also falls in mud, which I think he's not very happy about. I don't really know why he comes creeping around later other than to sort of... There's a lot of mud falling in this movie. There, there is a lot. I And I I understand those, those are scenes that were really just ham-fisted in there to play for laughs. And neither time... Both times I, was, I just rolled my eyes. I was like, this is not funny. Stop doing this. Satire! <laughs> No, that, uh, they nailed it. Yeah. I did like this line. Later on, this is when Terry, she's on the couch, she's watching the televangelist, and Vincent comes in, and she's really sad for all of 40 seconds about, you know, oh, no, I'm here. And he's kind of like, you know what? Don't go anywhere. Just stay here. It's it's awesome. And she comes around immediately because she says something like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And his response is, yeah, but you know what? We're all never really alone. You have yourself. And she is totally on board with that bizarre sentiment. And it convinces her to stay there with them. Yeah, I mean, they they do look cozy, Vincent and Ida in their living room. Uh, But it's like instant Stockholm Syndrome with, like, him and the evangelical TV going on in the background. And... Mm -hmm. 
you know, obviously we have no idea who Terry is before this movie. There's no flashbacks or anything like that. Um, so I, uh, you know what? Okay, this is it. The motorcycle guy was a cult leader and they were going to go do cult things. And then Farmer Vincent interrupted their cult things. And so she was just floating around waiting for another leader. Then bam. I have to tell you, I had that same thought. I was like, okay, well, he probably took her away from her family or something like that. Because like you said, she seems very susceptible to suggestions from anyone about yeah. anything. <laughs> She's a blank slate. Yeah. I like it later when the cops like, "Well, you must be going stir crazy just sitting in this hotel for I don't even know how long she's been there." And her response is, "No, I I kind of like it. It's nice." Yeah. <laughs> wow, really? But she's into it. She is into it now after that little pep talk he gives her. She's on board. She's like, "I guess this is my home now." So as we said earlier, the pig inspector returns to sort of snoop around, but he just drives up like with his headlights on and everything. And he's very loud, too. He climbs over. It's like a fence or a gate or something with ivy all over it. So he climbs over this into the secret area or the secret garden. Sorry. And he finds burlap sacks moving in the ivy patch. Which is such a great image. It's a wonderful looking God, that's scene. creepy. I, every time they were out, oh, every time they were out here, when they're, you know, feeding or planting or let's say picking, like, I love this environment. It is shot in such a really like legitimately scary way, which I really enjoy. Like, everything that happens in the smokehouse, I thought for the most part was legitimately scary. Everything out here is kind of frightening. It's all lit very well. Um, maybe it's all the broad daylight stuff that I didn't quite connect with. But when they're trying to be scary, I think it's working. Oh, I agree. Um, especially the first time you see it. Um, e even if you kind of had the movie spoiled for you, I still think it, it's such an unusual thing. Um, sure. And they're already building that dread. So when you see a burlap a sack moving on the ground. It's like, well, whatever's in there, I want nothing to do with. Okay. I think his name's Bob, the meat inspector. Bob, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because later I just so happy to see him. She's like, Bob. Oh, when did you drop yeah, yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he makes his way to this uh, bag and it's just moving side to side a little bit and you hear like a gurgling noise he whips the bag off and it's someone's head <laughs> not decapitated though this person is alive mm -mm. and you see they they get into it later but you see kind of a apparatus and there's a slit on their neck and it's clear that this this poor person is screaming their heads off but something is done to their vocal cords so it's just it's like this unholy noise of like gurgle screaming. That gurgle sound is disgusting. Yeah, it's like, pretty it's terrible. Really gross. And then uh, he looks up. Uh, he hears some weird music being played, and then there's Farmer Vincent to greet him with a shovel to the head. So this music, I love how they make it very clear. That Farmer Vincent has an eight-track player out there too. Yeah, we do get a sweet look at his rig, like. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he plays this music the whole, 
the whole idea or the process behind what they're doing, I found so fascinating. And every time something else weird happened, I thought about it and I went, yeah, I guess that makes sense, which is <laughs> really strange. Like I was like, well, why is he burying these people up to their necks? And I was like, well, I guess it's so that they don't get all stringy. Right. And, you know, so they, they're unable to move. It's like, you know, like veal. I guess the meat is maybe more tender if they're not allowed to move around. And maybe the dampness in the soil it makes them a little bit more tender and juicy. Yeah. Oh my god, this movie turns people into monsters. It's super gross, but also I kind of get it, and I'm like, <laughs> I first of all, I am not saying that I would eat human flesh. Oh wow, where's this going? I do have to say, the People were just over the moon for this meat, and it got me a little too curious when I was watching this. Well, and sometimes on Hannibal, the TV show, too, just sometimes they really sell you on the long pig. <laughs> I mean, I've, I feel like they have to do that, so it doesn't seem as gross or as horrible. But no, I guess that's not what they're trying to do. I don't know. And and what they're doing, too, is they do have pigs. Like, you see pigs strung up all through this movie. So I guess they're just, like, cutting that pig meat with human, Yeah, right? I kind of wonder about that. Um, I mean, they're not just eating straight up people, 100% human meat, are they? No, because even with all of Farmer Vincent's schemes to get fresh meat, um, you still, especially he's getting older, you have a finite amount of time, a <laughs> finite amount of energy. There's no predicting how many vehicles are going to come down. You, a, You're right. A band isn't going to come in their tour bus every day. So, yeah, you probably do have to cut in. Maybe there's even lean times where they actually have to do pork. And people are like, oh, it's not that good this time. <laughs> that's Well, that's the thing I was wondering. I was like, does this road lead directly to whatever ski resort these ladies are coming from? So it's just oh, yeah. ski season. Maybe the band was playing up there or something. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe there are certain seasons where he's like, you know what? Let's just throw the traps out. We're going to get somebody. Because it seemed like such a bizarre coincidence for him to just show up as a motorcycle, hit a bear trap or a row of spikes or something. Well, maybe there's like a parallel movie to... To Motel Hell, where it's like a super fun screwballs oh. like ski academy movie, and but <laughs> Motel Hell like interfered in its timeline, so we never got that movie. I want. Oh my god! I totally want someone to cut those two movies together, and anytime we see somebody get in a car and drive away, then it's Motel Hell for a little while. Okay, I'll do it, but you have to actually watch it when I'm done. Oh, no, no, I'll watch it. That's fine. You can come back on. We'll do a whole episode. It'll be great. <laughs> okay, so the, so the burlap sack, like you said, it, it's the guy who was on the motorcycle. He's in there. He can't scream. An empty grave. <laughs> Sorry. The most terrifying thing in this movie, an empty grave. It's October. I had to shout out empty grave. So Vincent, so we cut back to Vincent because he's still stocking up. He's still, you know, planting for the season. Um, we see a van full of, do we call them hippies? What, like? Would you refer to these people as hippies? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I I feel like they're in that awkward phase, but you know, like they clearly enjoy a lot of hippie kind of drugs. 
but the the song is it's almost like those rock songs that were like we're totally rock <laughs> like i've had enough right. but there's still some disco beats in it so i think just ivan and the terribles which is such a great band name i think they're in a weird grow like they really represent the awkward growing stage for american rock music did you see what they're wearing when they when they're laid out it was disgusting John Ratzenberger's wearing, like, red leopard print shorts. Sloppy. And a denim jacket. Well, he's the drummer. Have you seen how drummers dress? No, they're sitting down. They're blocked by drums. I don't don't know what's going on back there. (laughs) So you know what? Then it makes total sense. Sorry, drummer. Sorry to all the drummers listening. (laughs) Get your outfit choices in line, I guess. Yeah. We're coming for you. So we see that Farmer Vincent then, you know, he's gassing them too, but he brings them all back. He's so excited. He's talking to Ida. He's like, come on, check out what I got here. It's so great. She pulls back a tarp. There's four of them. There's three men and then a a woman, which. Girl power. Yeah. Later on, they don't uh, harvest the woman, which I was like, you planted them all at the same time. Like, aren't they all ripe around the same time? But also they're the most recent ones they plant. Why are they the ones they pick first? Wow. I didn't think about this at all. Oh, you didn't. (laughs) I mean, yeah, clearly someone knew John Ratzenberger was going to become a huge star. Just a lot of screen Uh, time. But let's just look at the script. I mean, they are personalities, I guess. We see them on screen. They seem like a lot of fun or they seem interesting. And we don't really... They did give them a lot of business. You know, they paid to, like, decorate a van. Like, that's a... It's a grungy, but it's a pretty sweet van. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they crash it. You know what? Yeah, they just wanted to get their production value out of the whole thing. (laughs) Listen, apparently you know what instruments everybody plays. (laughs) In this band, um, the fake beard on that one it's guy is beautiful. bananas. Like it, the 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 carpet sample that they glued to his face is insane, and the amount of screen time it gets is terrible. Like Ivan the terrible, <laughs> history lesson for everybody. That's all I got. He had distinctive facial hair. All right. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> Ivan the Terrible had distinctive facial hair. That's it. That's your course. It's History 101. It's pretty much one lesson, one sentence, and uh, there'll be a final in a couple weeks. It's a podcast about motel hell. If you're expecting more than that, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. No, if you're expecting a history podcast, you should not be listening to this. <laughs> I'm sure Dan Carlin's doing something on Ivan the Terrible, so go listen to that. Oh, also, since he plants a band in there, would you call it mm-hmm. a secret sound garden? <laughs> Probably because it wouldn't make what? sense as a reference. Why weren't TV. they called Secret Sound Garden? <laughs> oh. We are terrible band managers. Let's just move right. on. I love the band managers pick the name of the band. <laughs> Motel Hell's my favorite movie, and you're going to pay tribute, damn it. So we see that they dig giant holes, and they put these people in, and they bury them up to their necks, and they go in, and they cut their vocal cords. So I guess all they can do is make gurgling noises. But now 
it's such a lovely day in the cemetery to have a picnic right near where this woman believes that the person she was traveling with is buried. We're just going to we're going to have a picnic and we're going to laugh about it. And it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And it's photographed like a, it would be in a romance film. Um, it's like a smash cut oh. from the planted band to this picnic. And um, it's like I've never tasted ham before. Poor sweet Terry. She's like, ham is so delicious. This is the best ham ever. The the cop, who again, at this point, I still thought was in on it because he's hooting and hollering. Oh, that's Bruce. Okay, Bruce. I thought you were talking about a different cop earlier. Yeah, Sheriff Bruce. Yes. <laughs> and how many cops are in this? No, it's just Bruce, one right? Head towards the beginning we never see again. To establish that oh, there's oh, a force okay. and it's not just Bruce, I guess. <laughs> I'd buy it, though, if it were just Bruce. And I guess the yeah. dispatcher, you know, he's got somebody working. Who also doesn't seem like they're in on it. So. No, no. I mean, she's, you know, the, well, I guess it's not the dispatcher. Whoever's working that drive-in, though, is just, what, what are we doing? Like, why... You're a cop. Can't you just go to a drive-thru? Like, can't you pay for a drive-in ticket? Or maybe he's on duty. You're skipping ahead, though. I know. We're still at the picnic. All right. Sorry. Okay. Um, oh, oh, also at this picnic, which I think is great because Terry suddenly seems alarmed because she gets the history of this delicious meat. Right. And it all started, it's because Vincent's grandmother passed along this recipe to him, which he then murdered the family dog and fed it to his grandmother. Yeah, smoked the dog. Super proud of it. Super proud of it. And everybody is just laughing like this is normal discussion to have when you're eating me yeah even uh the sheriff who's not in on the cannibal thing it's like oh it's gonna happen and it's like the first time terry's like the hell is going on around here like what is wrong with you people yeah she's like oh my god you ate your dog and the sheriff's like yeah he ate the dog it was yeah so and it's great. not like farmer vincent's eyes don't go dark and like the experience shattered him <laughs> and he doesn't and he also no. doesn't have like bloodlust it's just like a cheerful folksy song or story from your childhood. Just It is so cheerful and so <laughs> innocent. And I, I have to say, sometimes in these lower budget horror movies, and sometimes horror movies in general, I mean I think one of the one of the universal knocks on them is like, oh, the acting in this was terrible. And I know that Rory Calhoun is a pro. But, man, he's killing it in this movie. Like, he is amazing. Mm-hmm. He is. Well, I read about him a little bit. He had a really rough uh, childhood. And, like, when he was really young, he went to prison. And he went through a lot of things and then became a very successful actor who just seemed to work nonstop. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. I almost think him finally, like, getting a really gonzo role where he mm -hmm. could just let loose and maybe like spoke to him in a way like to maybe some of his darker traits because yeah. he just looks so sweet yeah and, and i think it's such a shame when people do knock these older actors because we we watched um 
Happy Birthday to Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, you know, Glenn Ford's in that, and he's like a therapist and everything. It was near the end of his mm -hmm. career, let's say. And well, and again, I mean, he's a professional actor. Every time he was on screen, he was just doing a bang-up job, and I couldn't take my eyes off him, and Rory Calhoun was the same thing. And I don't see this as a negative. I think maybe at the time people did, but looking back or from more of a contemporary view, I don't... Well, it's a bit of know. a double-edged sword, because on one hand... And people would look at the older actor and be like, oh, that's sad. They used to be in like Oscar movies, like George Stevens right. a lot, like, you know, and all about Eve. And mm -hmm. then, you know, he's in psychomania at the end of his life. And so there's kind of audience judgment right. from that. These actors would also get hired all the time because the directors would say, OK, we want some gravitas. We want some class and a name in our movie. Mm -hmm. So in a way, they're being put in there for a compliment because they're recognizable and their name has respect for them. But it also often marked kind of the twilight of their careers. So. No, it did. And I, I don't think it does them any good to say, you know, well, 30 years later, there will be a whole different audience that discovers your work through this. But I don't know. I found that I've done stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, it, you know, like I feel like actors, it's. It's a very creative field, and it's cool to have kind of a vagabond mm -hmm. uh, viewpoint of it. And it's it's fun, you know? You should just yeah. do things that move you and also, like, put on a pig head and chase after people. Like, you know, we have one life. Experience as much as you can. And also, again, I think that's a good word of advice. If you ever have the chance to put on a pig head and chase people around, please take advantage of that. That's not... It's not going to come around yeah. again. And you don't have to kill him. You can just give him a good Halloween scare. Definitely. Yes. Yes. You do not have to kill them. You do. But go for it. Yes. You don't have to kill them. That is not Disclaimer, a Disclaimer. We are not encouraging All right, murder. So after, after this little picnic where Ida almost spills the beans. This is a very quotable film. And they, the picnic is where they throw in meat, meat, and a man's got to eat. <laughs> And I got to tell you, I swore that I had heard that before. And if you had if you had quoted that or if anyone had said that to me before I watched this movie, I would have been like, oh, that was probably from Texas Chainsaw. I did not. I had heard it before. I did not know it was from this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. But yeah, and Ida, it seems like she's almost going to tell Terry this secret recipe and like what's he do like ninja throat punches are really quick or something like spices she knows i'm protective of my spices her in the stomach it's wow it's really weird and she's even doubled over as they leave and she's like i wasn't gonna tell her and i know she's not southern but that's what she said i guess <laughs> so now we see a uh should i call it a budding romance i don't know what to refer to it as but this cop yeah. has the hots for terry so he takes her on a romantic boat ride in this tiny garbage pond that they have it looks so ridiculous that wide shot where they show the whole thing i was like they could probably just wade out there i don't even know that they need boats you'd run into too many abandoned tires floating in it though oh the <laughs> amount of cars below them but this is when he asks her if she's going stir crazy in the motel and she's like yeah no it's it's really great i don't know how long i've been here i don't know what i'm doing there's a preacher on tv all the time there's beaded curtains the beaded curtains in this movie oh 
I love it. I I really do like the layout of this little motel office. Yeah, it's very distinctive area. and cool. And they do really cool things with the lighting in here. Like it's very red inside the motel, mm-hmm. but not like completely like Brian De Palma choking with red right it's just it's a little bit moody a little bit kitschy Mm -hmm. and then with the death secret garden uh well they do all kinds of lights there but they seem to use every color um so yeah it's a really cool distinctive Mm -hmm. mood once they're outside the direct sunlight yeah so after he woos her in this boat speaking of the uh secret sound garden (laughs) they we see them feed these heads i mean i know they're not heads there's bodies underground not on the date mind you we cut back no 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 sorry no it's it's nighttime every time basically every time terry goes to sleep be it of her own accord or with a little bit of help they decide to then go out and tend to these human crops that they have and they're never in a rush or anything it's just like da 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 let's go harvest or peas or feed i don't even know why they knock her out later i was like what are you in a hurry just wait until she goes to bed like what are you doing why why did you feel like you needed to knock her out is it time to pick this crop like right now you have to do it at four in the afternoon or something i i'm not a parent so i don't know how like feeding times work but maybe they get super cranky and like the meat turn like if you have a distressed animal that's gonna affect their taste you know I'm just saying. No, that's that's a good point because because we do see them get fed and they sort of take a snorkel, it looks like, with a funnel in the top and they're putting something in there, some sort of powdered food. I mean, they have to be um, kind of trailblazers with this kind of feeding system, I'd imagine. So it's a little inelegant, but... Damn it, it gets resolved. Well, well, that's, I mean, that's even what Ida says because they're just, again, they're smiling. They're having the greatest time ever. And Ida even looks at Vince and she's like, Do you think someday people will really appreciate the work that we're doing here? Yeah. And we, we find out Vincent has kind of a Christ figure view of himself and what they're doing. Sure. Yeah. After this, so again, Wolfman Jack, he's on the radio because now. Uh, Bruce, the cop, takes Terry out on a proper date. Quote, unquote, proper date? So angry at him. Uh, he takes her to, I, I guess it's this uh, town's makeout point, which I had a lot of questions about what was going on here. Because he, he pulls in the middle of all these cars, of, I guess these teenagers making out or whatever. He turns on the lights and, and he's he's on the bullhorn yelling at them and everything. We see naked people scrambling to get back into their car, which I thought was really great that they were just like, it's a little cramped in here. I guess if we go outside, we could have sex and it's not the worst environment. But they everybody just like tears off and she thinks he's taking her to see a movie. Yeah, I feel so bad for Terry in this movie. <laughs> Me too. She has no agency. Like, if if she's going to be your final girl, give her something to do at some point in this movie. Yeah, I hate it because she is a boring character, but it's absolutely not her Mm -hmm. fault. I think the actress actually does a great job. But, you know, there's nothing for the character to do. So you have this idiot uh, screaming at teenagers. And he's like, all right, field's free for us and a fancy date. Like, late in this movie, when he's doing actual police work, I was just like, you 
goddamn Motel Hell. Are you serious? Is this going to be the guy that saves the week? No, he dies too. Then Terry slaps herself out of this and gets herself out. That please, is what... Please, movie, please. Don't leave us with That's person. what I needed. Oh, when those ski bunnies showed up, I was like, well, thankfully, someone who's not a horrible individual may do something, may take some action and try and save the day. But no, they... they play with cardboard cutouts of cows okay so what he does is he radios in he's like can you put it on the channel and so they can listen to the thing that oh, challenged God. the world that's the movie what a of the cheap night piece of garbage and this dude is they watch it through binoculars while listening to it through the radio and she's like wow this is great uh-huh. now here's the thing if you were like 13 year olds that would be super cool like that would be a slick move <laughs> for your date to pull but you are a sheriff you are a grown man <laughs> and then he gets handsy with her and that's me putting it politely he starts forcing himself on her until he gets interrupted but it's like so you have taken on her like this terrible date right just like all the things you do by yourself that you should kind of you should be ashamed of it's like in taxi driver Mm -hmm. where he takes her to the porno theater and he doesn't understand why that's not appropriate for a date (laughs) oh my god this guy that's a great comparison (laughs) and i think you're right i mean you you put it way too tame when you said he gets handsy but again could you even imagine trying to watch a movie through binoculars i could not even imagine trying to do that especially when you're that far away you move them slightly and it's out of focus it's it's just off and oh she's so charmed when she's like oh you only have one pair how are you gonna watch it and he's got a second pair of binoculars i just hate this date so much the way this sort of ends the way this incident ends um is that this is when these these uh ski instructors should we call them that is that what they were the real heroes of the picture right the real heroes of the picture this is when they're messing around with cardboard cutouts of cows and (laughs) farmer vincent he's hiding behind the cardboard cutouts of cows and so the first girl that walks out to move this he gasses her and her friend takes off in the car he then chases her with his truck and this girl is calling into the police and her frantic screaming is being patched through to his car. So she, over the radio, starts screaming and Bruce thinks it's this girl that he's trying to rape. And he's like, all right, fine. I get it. I'll stop. It's insane. Especially since she's like, that wasn't me. Instead of like, that's right, you're going to stop and then just... <laughs> pound his face in a mush but yeah, yeah. she's safe from rape because someone's getting murdered it's or nearly murdered <laughs> it's a great circle we see farmer uh vince he he drives her he rams her off the road and then he slowly pushes her car into that pond which i still thought she was inside but then we do see that she and her friend are both planted in the secret garden really unceremoniously after like what a cool scene they had kind of leading up to it, I thought. I mean, they have more dialogue than anyone in that band. I was like, well, why? why yeah, am, yeah, exactly. Why aren't we following these two ladies? I There were there were things in this movie that I, I really did love. And then there were times in this movie where I thought it was going somewhere. Like, you know, and I don't want to beat a dead horse by talking about these ski instructors <laughs> again. But that happened. And my God, when those swingers showed up. 
Can I tell oh, you how yeah. excited I was? I was just, I was so thrilled with all of that. I was like, I'm going to buckle in because I am ready for where this movie's going to go. Yeah, they're like planning the girls and they see like a car pull up with its lights. Like, did you forget to turn off the no vacancy sign or turn on the no vacancy <laughs> sign? Like, oh, yeah. As though they're constantly just, you know, being inundated with guests. We haven't seen a guest drive up to this motel until this moment. God, they love us on Yelp. Ugh. So these, I don't know, this guy reminds me of Sonny Bono. Yes, um, absolutely, 100%. So there's a, there's a man and a woman, and they are swinger i mean from the jump i could tell that they were swingers well first i thought she might have been um a lady of the evening he picked up okay makes sense makes sense swinger couple all right i I thought they seemed a little too comfortable with one another but either way because she's so annoyed with him at first and then it turns and she's super psyched about all the kinky stuff but first she's like oh Everything you do annoys me. I don't want to hear about these amazing Farmer Vincent meat sticks, Sonny. He is, like you said, they're they're into the kinky stuff, like, immediately. Like, I like how he says to Farmer Vincent, he's like, this place is cool, right? And the sheriff walks in covered in mud because this is when he found a mud puddle. Yeah, of course. And this, this Sonny photo <laughs> guy looks at him and goes, you look like a man who knows how to get down. <laughs> what is what's happening right now? No, I love swingers and movies, especially from the seventies and eighties, where if you were a swinger, that's it. That was your one character trait, yep. and that was the only thing you cared mm-hmm. about and obsessed over. So they're just like these insane <laughs> sex maniacs. It's great. The dialogue I didn't write down a whole lot of lines from this. You probably wrote more than I did. Um when Farmer Vincent talks about how he's going to do his stretching exercises, the look on these two, on their faces, just like, oh, my God, this old man's going to do. Oh, yeah. The, the woman uh, swinger wants to tear him yes. apart. She likes that he sounds like he's flexible. Oh, they're excited. Ida walks in. They're like, oh, my God, this is so great. Did you get a look at Ida? And then they're like, hey, uh, your daughter over there. You could tell your daughter to show up. And he even says, like, oh, she's not my daughter. And they're like, whatever, whatever to you, man. But just have her come over. Yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. And I I guess it's kind of balanced out because the the fake cow scene, as funny as those cows were, uh, it, it it's played as the straight horror scene, and yeah. they make these women likable right off the bat, so you feel really crappy for them. And then our lead woman is about to get date raped by a sheriff, and so it's like, okay, we're sorry, guys, we're gonna put in the cartoon swingers now. It's whew, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, and it's not even over because I was like, okay, that was that was good enough. <laughs> That was good enough. They follow through, right? Yes, into the oh, hotel the room. very next yes. scene they're in. We finally get to see what the the bungalows or the rooms or whatever this hotel, quote unquote, has. So the woman is uh, wearing her sexy lingerie and she's waiting impatiently on the bed. And then fake Sonny Bono comes out and like, I guess it's supposed to be kind of a, a sissy outfit, uh, like feminizing him. <laughs> uh, but it's ridiculous. There's it also has like a super tiny tutu. It it's not a great outfit. Look, I I'm not here to judge your fetish, but that outfit needed work. That's all I'm saying. Oh, it looked like the prop department just grabbed whatever the hell they possibly could. Cause like you said, like you said a skirt, it's 
plastic. Yeah, it's, it's like around his it's, belly button or something. It's so strange. I don't, I don't know. And he's got like <laughs> a bra on, but he's also wearing a shirt underneath it. Yeah, and then she she looks at him and says, "You're not even gonna shave." He's like, "I was just about to." And then he drags it down his chest, like to shave his chest hair. And all I thought of was like, "Well, you do that before you put the outfit on, right. and you <laughs> look like you're going your and dry." In and I was like, "I don't know how experienced he is with all this stuff because she seems to have everything together, and he's trying to shave his chest when his kinky outfit's already on." So she's the one that's more experienced. Her whip game is on point because oh, she's yeah. got that whip and she's destroying she, everything in this room. Yeah, I, I guess they're they're well to do because that would be a big bill in the morning. But she, you know, he was channeling Sunny Bono to me. She was channeling. Like if Sybil Danning was from the Midwest. Kind of. <laughs> okay. No, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I get that. So there she also has like oil or lube or I don't know what it is, but she starts squirting it all over him. And then in walks Farmer Vincent and Ida. And they got a they got a lot of rope there. Yeah, and they're like, We barely got warmed up. Like they're thrilled. <laughs> But what I love is that they start playing in. Vincent and Ida, they're like, oh, yeah, here we are. <laughs> like, oh, this is going to make this way easier on us. Right. Like, let's just go with this. And that's when I was wondering, I was like, does he really have to do stretches? Or was that part of the joke as well? Or was that part of them leading them on? Or maybe he's like, oh, God, we're going to have to bury more people. I better limber up before this. <laughs> They have gas and, you know, the swinger couple's like, oh, my God, nitrous. This is awesome. And you brought rope. You guys are into bondage. Yeah, you're into bondage. And And again, almost like the other two characters where we got a lot of sort of backstory and we were introduced to them. They had so much dialogue. That's it. They are gassed. And that's it. Then they're planted and buried and, and kind of out of the movie, basically. Yeah, it's it's like another fun little set piece. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I love that scene, but you're right. Um, the most likable characters get the quickest deaths, unfortunately. Right. Talk about a smash cut. We smash cut from this to the most sensitive piccolo music with chimes and there's birds chirping when Vincent and Terry are just talking outside. I, I love those, uh, the whiplash in here. Like the earlier picnic and this. I think that's part of its humor. I really, I appreciate that. It's very strange. It worked so well because he even talks to her and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe someday I'll teach you how to smoke this meat and, you know, you can, you know, I'll show you the whole operation and everything. So she wanders in. She wanders into the smokehouse. Well, she's like, really? Little old me? A meat smoker? Like, she's never thought of that as a career before in her life. But Stockholm Syndrome, she's in. You know, she's like, <laughs> what else am I going to do? That's what happens here at this place that I'm never going to leave. So I may as well figure oh. it out. So she goes in and she kind of frightens Ida. Or Ida gets pretty pissed that she's in there. And, and then she tells her that Vincent said that he's going to teach her all about the business and all about what you guys do here. Ida puts on a very happy face and says, what a day for Tubin. Yeah. Like, oh, that's different. Hey, let's go Tubin. (laughs) 
Let's go, go Tubin. Oh, but I can't swim. Neither yeah. can I. Let's yeah. go, Tubin. Ida's Tubin yeah. outfit is great. She's got like this floral bathing cap and head to toe, like black swimsuit, head to toe. No, Ida is a fashion icon in this movie. She really is. Mm-hmm. Like she. I get it. Those pigtails. Yeah, yeah. but the overalls, cool. like, oh, there, no, there's yes. a lot of distinctive Halloween costumes you can get off Ida in this movie. Ida's whole plan appears to be, it's not a great plan, but they go out on inner tubes into this pond and Ida has this little box cutter that she's got. And at first you think maybe she's going to cut Terry's mm-hmm. throat or cut Terry's tube. She cuts her own tube. And they've established that Terry's a bad swimmer. Terry comes over to save her yeah. and then Ida pushes her out of her tube and tries to drown her. Literally. Literally out of nowhere. They're in the middle of this pond. And then Michael Phelps, I mean Vincent, shows up. <laughs> I don't know how this elderly man swam out there so quickly without them noticing, but he does save her. And he's able to save her, able to get her out. And then it gets a little bit weird. I'm totally fine with everything that happens here ever. She's then she's then inside. He put her to bed or whatever, got her out of those clothes and, and put her oh, into yeah, bed. She... And, and Ida's all like, oh, I do. I didn't know, you know, I was drowning and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I guess, try and kill you. But Terry, you know, she's fine with it. No big deal. She does try and make out with Vincent. Bears her breasts and everything. She's like, my hero. Let's have sex, grandpa. She's like, I'm not wearing anything. All you have to do is take over those over take off those overalls, the boots, the button-down flannel, and you know, we can get busy, but he is not into it at all. Now, not because he's not attracted to her, of course, but because they're not married. Right. Cuz this is not where I thought this movie was going. Cuz he says he's like, "Oh, no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cover up. You're not decent. We can't do this. We should get married first." Her response is like, Oh, can you please leave me alone? I have a lot of thinking to do. I didn't know that that was a proposal and an acceptance. Right. Yeah, because in a way you think she'll she'll like show that she has premarital sex and he'll be disgusted yes. and like put her on the chopping block. Right. And instead he's like, well, I can't do premarital. And she's like, is that a proposal? And I'm like, is that a proposal? Yeah. And then he kind of acts like it and then she acts weirded out and then you're like, "Okay, Terry, she's coming around a little bit. Like maybe things are weird here. Maybe this isn't a healthy place for her." Like I was well. I was watching this thinking, <laughs> "Yeah, that's a weird thing. Like if if one thing turns her sort of you know, raises an eyebrow and says like, "Maybe everything's not normal around here." I was like, "That's a strange thing, but okay, at least something." At least there's something that she's not on board with. But no, no. it's such a weird thing to make that character do. Like, it, is there a deleted scene or something that explains her reaction I, and then immediate acceptance? Know. Because <laughs> it's not in the movie. So immediately, <laughs> Farmer Vincent's talking to Wolfman Jack, the guy who was just on TV. Like, the guy in this town, the preacher yeah. in this tiny town, has his <laughs> own TV show. And he's like, hey, guess what? I'm getting married. Isn't that going to be great? Uh, you can marry us tomorrow, right? Uh-huh. Great. Fantastic. Of course. <laughs> like, 
we're taking a lot of time to get here. And then this movie's like, I don't know. Once we hit the ski instructors, it's just full tilt throwing everything around. <laughs> no, it's just this is a, a very confusing part of the movie. <laughs> right. Yes. Because then Bruce, the cop, he finds out about the wedding. Wolfman Jack tells him and he's like, what? Why would they get married? Like literally walks over to the squad car and is like, hi, there's five people in this town. I'll directly tell you. Yeah. He turns away. I mean, it appears to me that he turns away from Farmer Vincent. <laughs> yeah. like The sheriff is right there. Who's, by the way, just reading a penthouse magazine in broad daylight on like Main Street. I mean, I think think we've already established that there's something wrong with Bruce and that he's not meant to be a hero. We're not meant to enjoy any time that he's on screen and he's just a weird creep. Yeah, it's almost like, it's so obvious though, it's almost like a Kentucky Fried movie kind of sight gag or something. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I don't know, is it is it worse or better? Because then he gives it to Wolfman Jack, but Wolfman Jack's not even in the confines of a vehicle. He's standing out in broad daylight, leafing through this thing. Now. What does he give it to him? He guilts him into yeah, it. No, it is really good. <laughs> so Bruce drives over, and he, he breaks the door down. He bursts, he busts in on Terry. She's taking a bath. And she's like, yeah, I'm marrying that old dude. What's doing it? Like, isn't that where this goes? Like, and he starts yelling. He's like, he's got syphilis of the brain. It's oh yeah. He's like, I'm in love with you, and also he's gross and rotting oh, disease. It, it, this movie turns into <laughs> the creepiest, grossest rom com at this point too. I was like, what is? Why is he professing his love to this woman? It's it's so bizarre in a movie that's already been very bizarre, oh, yeah, slightly. So then. Okay, so so they're going to celebrate the fact that they're getting married the next day, so they have some champagne. Ida then takes a moment to poison this champagne with green poison, which turns the champagne, turns Terry's champagne green. So wicked stepmother of her respect, oh. just going for it. She does not seem to notice this. Nobody seems to notice it. She drinks it and is immediately out like a light. So, so because, what do they have you know, to do? They have things to do and they can't have her around mucking it up. Well, we do cut with a couple scenes of the sheriff actually doing police work, which then I realized he was our hero of the movie. And I was really, really mad at this point. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, like he's he's shit talking Vincent yes. and then Vincent kind of attacks right. him and gets him out of the bathroom. But this is when he like stumbles um, upon piles of cars. Well, and he, it's not even because he's a good policeman. He's just personally offended that he wasn't chosen as the guy. Right. So he's like, now nah, I'm going to get dirt on him. Yeah, and it doesn't take much but yeah well yeah there's there's plenty of uh rich soil <laughs> to dig up for sure now is probably i i don't know uh -huh. the most fun sequence <laughs> of this entire movie i loved it they go out to pick the crops so what they they what they do is they have they're hypnotizing them yeah with like a crazy light show they're they're doing that terrible gurgle scream but then they they put on um these varying colored lights and it just seemed they quiet down and they're hypnotized and they seem really happy i'm very curious about how farmer vincent found out this worked as a method oh. I have but. no idea. It, it's it's <laughs> wonderful, and it seems to be 
tailored toward this band too. Like, I don't know if he says different things to different people, <laughs> but I love how he's there and he's like, each word I say will take you farther into a radical hypno high. What? What are you talking about? But yeah, it doing... seemed kind of sweet. Like, ah, you guys oh. are probably into this. You boys know about astral projection? Yep. Oh, it's a whole astronaut skit where he's like, I'd crank up the Let's start this rocket ship up. Let's get ready to blast off. Make sure their safety belts are on, which means putting a noose around their necks. Yeah, yeah. They're these, at least Ivan and the Terribles, they, they look like they're in bliss, at least. Um, oh, their eyes are moving around. Their heads are literally like wobbling around. They are having... Right. A ball. And also, I guess this is probably just so that they don't maybe fear tastes bad. Is that am I thinking about this a little too much? So he wants to really, you know, send them off to death in the most peaceful way possible. Yeah, I think like it's a little bit of empathy on his part. And like she asks, uh, like I'd ask him, like, why do we go through all this? He's like, eh, come on. Like they've been through a lot. Let's make it nice for him. That's fun. But yeah, and the not fear and the meat, I'm sure is a huge bonus. <laughs> yes. So, okay. Right. Can I say something about this scene? Of, yeah, please do. Okay, so yeah. they, they wrap the nooses around their heads, and while they're totally tripping, uh, Ida cranks up the tractor and snaps their neck all in one go. Mm-hmm. Like, super efficient. Yes. So I don't know what it says about my character, but the first time I saw this, I was expecting it to clean pop their heads off. Like, we would literally see decapitated oh, yeah. heads flying through the air, and I I still kind of wish they did that with like a really goofy, satisfying uh, sound effect. Oh, no, that's kind of what I thought they were going to do, too. And later, just <laughs> from, you know, a logistical standpoint, I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense that they wouldn't do that because then they'd have to dig their bodies oh, out. Oh, yeah, no, I, 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 these are experts. I'm sure they yeah. thought of everything. It's just like, hey, I'm Joe oh, moviegoer with my popcorn. And it's like, see some heads popping. That's all. No, I, I would love to see heads <laughs> popping. That's and yeah, that's also it's where you find out Farmer Vincent almost sees this as a higher calling. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder about the karmic implications <laughs> of these acts. <laughs> he's so great. Again, though, they both he's really grinning, shine. He's smiling. He's like, I wonder about it, but it doesn't really matter. Right? Well, you know, it's funny because you're like, oh, does he realize maybe this is bad? But then it's more like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's good karma for me. And you're like, all right, buddy. <laughs> Glad you're enjoying yourself. So then they pull these guys out and they take them in and, and they're going to mm-hmm. start to slaughter them. But while they're doing this, we see that the guy from the beginning of the movie, he starts to dig himself out of this secret garden. And it seems pretty easy. He doesn't really have a hard time doing it. The, the dirt's pretty loose and is moving around him quite easily. My theory is that he was so taken with Terry that he did a really quick half-assed job because he just wanted to like, get back to her. Ah. Okay. I could see that. Uh, sure. Yeah, just... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
I also enjoy how when they get to the smokehouse to to do mm-hmm. all this to do you know to start hacking off limbs. We see later that they hack off the heads and the limbs and you know all that stuff, and then there's just human torsos hung up. But Ida's getting really hungry, and he yells at her for wanting to eat some of this meat. He's like, "Oh, we're you know we're already short." I'm like, "Did you see how many people you have out there? How are you possibly short? It seems like every other day you're getting two to four people right to plant in your garden. Even thin people, they're adults. Are that's more than a hundred pounds? Come on, man, that's a lot of meat." I mean, I do see that you're just throwing the hands and the feet in a bucket and you're not, you know, using all of the person. But still, even with that, you're still getting a lot of meat, I would assume. Yeah. I mean, just think of how well lady fingers would sell. Huh? <laughs> no. Sorry. Sorry about that. I don't, I don't know who you're apologizing to. <laughs> just all, all the listeners. Society. Yeah. <laughs> So Ida returns to the house to eat some chicken and stuff. I don't know. She's got and whipped she cream out. And she puts ketchup right on it. And I'm like, oh. ooh, she, now I know she's twisted. For, yeah. Forget about the people farm. She's putting ketchup directly on a drumstick. Yeah, I was hoping it was hot sauce or something. And I was like, oh, I think that's just ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> like That's yeah. really disgusting. So she's eating, but she overhears Bruce the cop mm-hmm. because he's shown up in the meantime. And he's just... Telling Terry about all the evidence that yeah, he doesn't check to see if the coast is clear or anything like that. He's just yelling about it. (laughs) Bruce, this is their business and where they live. But you're just gonna. (laughs) She's just standing there quietly eating her chicken, listening to him be like, "They're dangerous. They're great. I found all these things." Oh, and Terry's like, "Okay, sounds like something mildly dangerous might be going on. I suppose I'll think about maybe going somewhere with you." And that's like the most agent she's had in this film. It really is. I at least need to see her burn <laughs> this place down at the end or something. Yes. Just um, do anything at the end of this movie, lady. Come like on. Like send PETA after them. No, PETA wouldn't care. It's people. But, you know, just the, the vegans. Send the vegans after them. <laughs> sure, right. Ida gets the drop on this cop and she knocks him out and then she takes Terry in. And this is when Terry is sort of made aware of everything that has been going on. I mean, Vincent really just does lay it out there for her and really justifies or tries to justify everything that he's doing. Well, if you're going to be part of the family, you got to know how the business works. Why are they always spraying their hands with some spray, too? Did you notice that? It, the, it might be a butcher thing. Like, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what this was. Right. Call in listeners. Yeah. If you work in, in the meat sector. Oh, this isn't a live call-in show, is it? Oh, no, nope, we'll wait. We'll wait. Hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Terry is, I don't know if she's pretending to be on board with this until Ida leaves or if she's just dead staring ahead. I don't really know. But when Ida leaves the house or leaves the, the smokehouse um, and then Vincent goes in the back to get something, she tries to escape. She can't. The door's locked. And Vincent's like, oh, I Hoped it wouldn't come to this. And then he gasses her and snidely whiplashes her to a table. Yeah. No, it's sad because he's like, half this county has been eating flesh that I've smoked for the last 
30 years and loving it. <laughs> and so, like, you find out you're an inadvertent cannibal. And it, she's very fond of Farmer Vincent, but that's that's a rough bump in the road right there. And he has no forgiveness right. in his heart. Like, you are either on board with eating people and keeping your mouth shut about it. And he's he's going the leather sure. face route by, yeah, lashing her down. And again, I am still not sure if she's put two and two together that the guy she was on the motorcycle with may have been eaten by this point. Oh, poor sweet Terry. We just don't know. Because <laughs> now she's asleep mm, for a little chaos. while. Uh, a couple things now happen at once. Um... Ida heads back to the house and all of the people who were buried have now been unburied and they're just shambling around like zombies. Yeah. And she's just chilling on the porch and she plays it so cool. She's like, oh, you guys should be out here. <laughs> <laughs> she's so It's so great. There is no fear in her eyes. She's like, oh, yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's go. <laughs> wow. Let's dance. Ida. Meet popsicles. She doesn't say that, but I feel like she's thinking it. Oh, she's 100% thinking it. Because at first <laughs> it's just one of the ski instructors, and she's like, how did you get out of there? It's very <laughs> funny. It's very cute. Uh, just the delivery of yeah. these lines is is just fantastic. She deserved like a spectacular, fully on screen. Like everything's off screen. We're, show, we're shown what leads up to it in the aftermath. But she's such an iconic character. Come on. This is the, the period of time where movies are made where characters are like they fall down on the floor and they're suddenly disemboweled and people are grabbing guts and stuff. I was waiting for something like that. Yeah, like them like feeding her her own guts or something. Yes. Oh. Oh, well. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we do see that the only one of these zombie people that, that doesn't necessarily go after Ida is the guy who was riding this motorcycle. Terry's, I guess first love interest of the film who knows it might even be her dad we cult don't leader know. cult leader yeah cult, cult leader. leader terry's terry's original cult leader <laughs> he is able to go in he falls through the ceiling of this it's like a it's like a big skylight on top of this and he falls through and then there's a pretty big old man fight yeah between farmer vincent and this old biker yeah right he's about to chop terry uh, falls in and yeah vince vince gets the upper hand on him and that's it he, he basically kills this guy but in the meantime the cop comes to bruce and he comes in to save terry to untie her because she's kind of coming to at this point <sighs> yay and then we get a chainsaw wow fight. Farmer Vincent's wearing and the pig I did head. I thought we were going to get a chainsaw fight in this movie, and I was super happy. It's the saw versus the law. Pig versus pig. Yeah. Fight of the century. Right. Yeah, I love me a good chainsaw fight. Oh, yeah. No, and it's it's great. So, and again, I mean, the whole the fact that he's wearing the pig head is amazing. But also, it's like, well, we can't. He's an old guy. Like, we how are we going to get this stuntman in here? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Well, we could awkwardly have a stuntman or make an iconic thing we can use on like merchandising. If you had told me there was a chain off fight in this movie i would think it would last all of 10 seconds this is a lengthy battle between these two i was very surprised as to how long this went on for yeah and in a very contained space it's very impressive yeah. it's it's very impressive i thought it was really good 
Um, he's cutting up the cop's clothing. There's a lot of just clothing cuts. How he just cuts his tie off, and you know, he, he's not really getting bloody. Yeah, it's a sexy fight. They go for the clothes first. Yeah, that's, that's right. Not sexy as the chainsaw fight but, in Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, which is the best one because it involved dancing. But this one's pretty good. The cop finally does at some point get the upper hand, and he sort of cuts Vincent's torso. And then for absolutely no reason, he flies into the room on a meat hook to rescue yeah. Terry. Because she's about to get chopped up because... I don't know, the bone saw is running and she's slowly Mm -hmm. drifting toward it. (sighs) But they go back in because Vincent's not quite dead. He's just got this chainsaw, like, fused into his body. Well, at first, uh, he's dying and he says Bruce can have the motel, which is really big of him, you know. Like, just give this idiot your whatever. And then... (sighs) He he ha- he wants to have a confession before he dies. I used preservatives. It really is great. I, I thought that was a fantastic way to, I'm going to say, end the movie, even though there's one more scene. But because I'm sitting there watching this and he he's slumped down and he's going like, Oh, my whole life has been a lie. And I'm like, dude, don't. Come on. You were just justifying all of this. Don't. Don't. Don't ask for forgiveness at this point. <laughs> yes. This is your life. Please don't. And when he said he used preservatives, I was so happy. <laughs> I thought it was such a great ending. No, like, like eat it, Rosebud. That, that's one of the best dying lines ever. Yeah. Terry tells him to just burn the place down. I'm not sure how that's going to solve the problem. You now have walking zombie people in this county. I don't even know where they went. They're all gone. Maybe they'll just... How are you going to explain that to people? change the economy and find a way to live. <laughs> Maybe. So they go to... This is before they talk about burning the motel down. They find the secret garden. And we see a bag. We see a burlap sack shaking around again like before. Oh... You know who it is. I know who it is. Everybody knows who it is. It's Ida, of course. But the great thing is they pull the bag off. It's not her head. It's her legs. <laughs> the zombie monsters buried her upside down. They turn the concept on its head, which is perfect because it, it's hilarious. It's a great side gag, of course. But right, like if she was set up that way, you'd be like, well, okay, one, like, would they really have the strength and wherewithal to bury her the way they were buried and everything. And lesser movies, I think, would have her set up the exact same way. And no, they just planted her in there with her feet oh, up, yes. which is so perfect. Yeah. And lesser movies would try and end on a frightening chord with, with her there and her throat's cut and she's trying to scream and she can't. But no, we get some comedic leg kicks as she suffocates. <laughs> a jump scare with some like goofy right. little leg kicks. Yes. And then that's and then that's it that's the end of motel Uh, yeah there you go (laughs) so at the end of our episodes we uh, sort of give our final thoughts and we tell the audience if we would recommend that people see this movie if they didn't already well it's all spoiled for them but what about you Steph what do you think I I love it it's a lot of fun Um, of course there's some characters I'm disappointed with some annoying scenes, but really with a low-budget horror movie from 1980, that's part and parcel. 
Um, so I think if you are a fan of the more traditional kind of cannibalistic chainsaw movies, this is maybe the family film version for you, <laughs> if you like the hard stuff. But if you, if you like horror movies, but you don't like them to be too dark or gross or grim, um, I would check out Motel Hell because it has a really great sense of humor to it. And I think it's kind of a good bring everyone to the <laughs> dinner table kind of movie. No, I, I agree 100%. There were times where I watched this where it wasn't as funny as I thought it was, but I, I feel like in my head it was built up as this is going to be so goofy and so hilarious, and it wasn't. It 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 was a little more earnest than I thought it was going to be, but maybe that's a good thing, and I think I enjoyed it a little more for that. I enjoyed when it when it went off the rails and it became just so bonkers insane I like I enjoyed having that in there but the fact that it was a little bit scary at times the fact that it was shot well I enjoyed this movie and I would certainly sit down and watch it again and I saw on the disc that I have there's a commentary so maybe I will do that <laughs> there you go and Roger Ebert <laughs> liked it too and he had a great comment that like sleazoid movies mm -hmm. like this, their ambition is to be to the cinema what the geek show is to the circus. I'm like, oh, he That's gets it. Pretty good. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> My recommendation, I could have gone anywhere. I mean, you could just look through Rory Calhoun's filmography and come up with something or um, again, any sort of quote unquote satire or spoof you could recommend. Ooh. But I'm going to recommend a movie that is kind of similar to this. And it's a movie called Invasion of the Blood Farmers. Um, I don't know if you'd seen it. Uh, a few months ago, maybe it was maybe it was a whole year ago, uh, Severin put it out, put a Blu-ray out of this. It is a micro-budget. It's not just a low-budget, but it's a micro-budget film uh, where farmers that are in a cult begin to kill people and they're harvesting their blood to try and bring their deity or their leader back to life. Interesting. Um, a lot of times with these micro budget, if you think of stuff that Severin and uh, Vinegar Syndrome sometimes puts out, uh, sometimes with micro budget films, I tend to get bored with them because they didn't have the money to really do a lot of things. So sometimes characters will wander around. There's a lot going on in this movie. It is super fun. So if you're just into watch, it's a perfect movie to get together with people and put on and watch and laugh at. Um, there's one particular scene where one of these farmers beats a guy to death in the shower. And the scene probably has... As many cuts as the shower scene at Psycho did, but they're using the same shots, like they're using the same four shots over and over and over again. It's it's like a weird decision to make, but it's a pretty fun movie. And so if you want something that's maybe a little more humorous, but probably unintentionally so check it out i definitely want to see that um my last minute pick and you you'll be able to tell this is the last minute pick it's funny you mentioned psycho because i'm gonna recommend psycho 4 because it involves um a motel and it involves uh radios that's all i got 
Which one's Psycho Four? I I that was last year. I watched them all because I got you know like the whatever four or five pack. I don't even know how many movies there are, but I don't remember now. I can't tell which one was which. No, it's the leastest of the sequels. Okay. But I'm going with theme here. It's the TV movie where uh, Norman's like calling into the radio show and like this. This is how this happened. Okay. And okay. Like this. <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, Steph, before we wrap up, before I talk about what movie we're going to talk about next, where can people find you? Is there anything that you want to plug? Uh, just follow me on Twitter. I'm Scrawfish there, and I post links to everything, and I have a blog there too. So Wonderful. Yes, and I will second that uh, demand by you to follow <laughs> you on Twitter. Err. You should. I don't. I don't follow enough fun people on Twitter. Um, and it seems like everybody's just on Twitter promoting their crap, me included. And you are a fun follow. Thank you. Um, I will promote my crap, though. Like, uh, you know, you gotta. But I try to be fun, too. You do it in an interesting and fun way where it does not <laughs> seem like promotion. Or maybe I'm just doing it wrong and I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. But it's funny. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so in two weeks' time... Uh, some of our listeners will know this, but um, some of our Patreons, if you Patreon at a certain level, uh, once a year you are able to force us to watch a movie of your choice. And we have one of those coming up next. So Zeke Perez asked us to watch the movie Amazon Women on the Moon. Oh, I love that movie. Great choice, man. You do love that movie. Okay. Okay. In 1987, the sky was dark for all the stars were in Amazon Women on the Moon. It is wall-to-wall celebrities. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. I don't know how we're going to possibly cover it in sequence, but with a movie like this, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so everybody, follow us on all those things on the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Instagrams. We're everywhere you can find us. Uh, we do a terrible job of self-promoting. Give us five-star reviews wherever you get the show, and we will talk to you again. Steph, I, I do have to say thank you so much for coming on. I'm so happy to talk to you again. And please don't let it be the last time you come on, regardless of how this ends up turning out. No, it was so fun again. And as long as you both can stand me, I'm happy to come back. Excellent. Wonderful. All right, everybody, we will talk to you in two weeks. And until then, have a good two weeks. I've had my eyes on you forever And I still can't believe what I see Your face is like the morning sunshine As it sends its welcome out to me I was so blinded by your beauty That I didn't think to realize how when you said you want to serve me That it might just lead to my demise You're eating out my heart and soul All right, listen, 
It's called <laughs> mansplaining. It's when someone clearly doesn't know how to explain something, but they'll really try. So you're mansplaining mansplaining. Yes. <laughs> right, yes. Oh, I wish I was dead. Okay.